0: We thank you for visiting Christian Bible Temple, and pray the following message speaks to your heart. The book of Hebrews, chapter 10, and we're going to go to verse 26. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 26. For if we sin willfully after we have received the knowledge of the truth, there no longer remains a sacrifice for sins, but a certain fearful expectation of judgment and fiery indignation which will devour the adversaries. Anyone who has rejected Moses' law dies without mercy on the testimony of two or three witnesses. Of how much worse punishment do you suppose will he be thought worthy <coughs> who has trampled the son of god under foot counted the blood of the covenant by which he, he was sanctified the common thing and insulted the spirit of grace for we know him who said vengeance is mine i will repay says the lord and again the lord will judge his people, it is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you for your word, and we thank you for the words that we just read this morning. Indeed, they are very solemn, fair, clear warnings to those who draw away from you, turning their backs on you and loving the things of this world. We pray this morning that you will help us to listen and take to heart what we hear that we may apply in our lives and get closer to you. We worship you this day in spirit and in truth and we thank you for your infinite love We thank you that you are a loving father, but at the same time, like a good father, sometimes you must be firm and stern with those who are unruly. And we ask this morning that you speak to every heart and that you'll help us, Lord, in this church to have a revival in our hearts and in our congregation. In the midst of all the apathy, the spiritual apathy that is scourging this society, this world today. Help us to shine as lights in the midst of darkness and not to become part of that darkness. Speak to our hearts this morning as we bow before you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you. You may be seated. This portion of scripture that we just read, I trust everybody received the outline so that you can follow along. In this section that we just read this morning from verses 26 to 31, we have a warning against returning to willful sin. A warning against returning to willful sin. One thing is to fall into sin, and it's quite another to plunge into sin. And when I say sin, I do not mean immorality right here. Because the sin that this talks about is not immorality, as we're going to see. In this section that we just read, the writer gives the fourth of five warnings given in this book, throughout the book. It is written to those believers who rejected the truth, or who reject the truth the writer has been dealing with. When it says, for if we sin, the first word, for, connects what he said up to this point with what he's about to say now. He had just warned them about the coming judgment day. And these believers might be in danger of judgment if they fail to listen to the warning given here. Now you might say, well, I thought the believers are not going to be judged. Oh, yes, they are. Believers are going to be judged at the judgment seat of Christ, not at the white throne judgment. Both judgments take place a thousand years apart. Some people think that just because they are saved, now they are free to do whatever they want. Nothing is further from the truth. As believers, we have a responsibility. And we saw that last week. One of the responsibilities that we have as believers is not to forsake the assembly of ourselves together, which uh, many people do today, okay? And they think that's nothing. Well, it's a lot. Otherwise, it would not have been written in the Bible. Judgment is not always spiritual judgment. Many times, it's physical judgment. And we're going to see that today. The writers spoke about the necessity of gathering together. And some were neglecting this by refusing to meet together with other believers. We have people in this church that are absent two, three weeks, four at a time. And they don't miss it. I'm worried. I wonder about their salvation. Because I, as a Christian, if I miss one Sunday from church, I feel something is lacking. And I try to be there the next time. And the only times I miss church is if if I'm sick, like I was a few weeks ago, or if I'm away. But for 47 years, I've been present. And every time you come in, you expect to see me here, right? Well, I expect to see you. And that's not because Pastor Alex wants it. That's because God says so. The warning given here, well, look what it says in verse 26. For if we sin willfully after we have received the knowledge of the truth. Have you received the knowledge of the truth? You have? Well, if after you receive the knowledge of the truth, you continue sinning willfully, look what it says. there there no longer remains a sacrifice for sins. There's no more sacrifice. Okay? And we're going to explain that in a minute because a lot of people misinterpret this this verse of Scripture. The warning in Greek is willfully if we go on sinning. Okay? It's a continuous action, not a one-time thing. A continuous action which shows a certain habit committed continually. In the context of the text, the sin is the permanent return to Judaism. It's like today somebody who got saved out of some religion or philosophy or something in the world comes to, you know, to the church, learns the truth, and then all of a sudden goes back to where he came from. A person that does that shows one or two things. Either was never saved, or if he or she was, they can rest assured that they're going to be judged. And we're going to talk about that again as we cover these verses. Now, this is not a sin committed in ignorance. Ignorance. Some people sin because they're ignorant of something. And for those sins, there were sacrifices in the law of Moses. But there was no sacrifice in the law of Moses for any willful sin. And we're going to see that too. This is talking about a willful sin, a deliberate sin planned out. They have not committed it yet. And that is why he warns them. Because he says, after we have received the knowledge of the truth, means these believers already have the full knowledge because of this letter of the truth of all that is involved and the consequences of their actions. If they willfully insist on going back to Judaism in their case, there will no longer remain a sacrifice for sins and since they rejected Jesus, they have no other sacrifice for their sins for his was the final sacrifice. God is not going to cause the Lord Jesus to die again to redeem him from their sin. There is no such thing. The sacrifice of the Lord Jesus Christ, we saw that a couple of weeks ago, is final. And this is based on all the Old Testament principle that there were no sacrifices for certain sins like adultery, murder, blasphemy, and pride. Anybody who committed those sins got the death penalty. They were stoned to death under the law. And these sins carried the death penalty that is physical, not spiritual death. In this case, by repudiating all they claimed to believe and do before, which was good and proper, is that willful sin. They had confessed Jesus as their Messiah and now they are in danger of repudiating the confession of Him. If they did it, there would be no other sacrifice for their sin. All that remains is physical judgment. Now, the background for this is found in the book of Numbers. Remember that the writer is writing to Jewish believers who knew the Old Testament. Okay? And in the book of Numbers, in chapter 15, and in verse 29, it says... You shall have one law for him who sins unintentionally, for him who is native born among the children of Israel, and for the stranger who dwells among them. In in other words, you will have the same law for the foreigner as you do for the Israelite. No difference. And then he says. But the person who does anything presumptuously, you know what presumptuously means? means willful sinning. You know it's wrong and you do it anyway. Whether he is native born or a stranger, that one one brings reproach on the Lord and he shall be cut off from among his people because he has despised the word of the Lord and has broken his commandment. That person shall be completely cut off, his guilt shall be upon him or her and we see an example of somebody in the Old Testament that was gathering wood in the during the Sabbath what do you do with him he broke the law and God says stone him kill him was that so severe oh yeah he was blaspheming the Lord. He was going against his commandment. He says, Thou shalt remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Now, the Sabbath day was not a day of worship, it was a day of rest. Now you say, Well, but now we are under the, the age of grace. We're in the church. That doesn't happen now. Yes, it does. Read the book of Corinthians. You see those who abuse the Lord's Supper. It says, Many of you from among you sleep. What does it mean? They sleep. They were dead. God killed them, some kind of disease. Physical judgment. That doesn't mean they lost their salvation. It just means physical judgment. Eh? Just because we're under grace, it doesn't mean we have license to do whatever we please. We have a responsibility as Christians. And that is to glorify the Lord Jesus Christ and put him first in our lives and have time to do the things of the world. Listen, how many days do we have in the week? Seven, right? How many hours? Well, I'll save time, 168 hours. You mean to tell me that the 167 hours are not enough, that you also need the 168th to do what you want to do? Can't you dedicate that time to the Lord? And even if it's not one hour, say two hours by the time you travel and come to church. Discipline yourself to live the day. Listen, you want a family day? Use Saturday. Sunday should be Lord's Day. And I'm not trying to be legalistic. I'm trying to help people focus and and, and structure their lives the proper way. The Lord gave us everything we are, everything we we have. Even the air that we breathe, he gives it to us. And what do we do? We neglect that. We neglect him. Oh, it's my birthday today. I'm not going to come to church. You should come to church twice as much because you should be grateful that God gave you life. What's this vacation nonsense? Take vacation at other times. Am I against vacations? Of course not. I take vacations. Am I against resting? No, the Lord did that too. Okay? I'm not against that. What I'm I'm against is this undisciplined life that Christians have nowadays. That their lives come first. God comes last. He's the caboose of the train. And so this this is nothing new under the sun. This was going on back then. And the writer here, inspired by the Holy Spirit, warns them. Why does he warn them? To spare them. Spare them judgment. Was he against them? Of course not. Is God against his people? Of course not. But because he is for his people, he warns them. Like a good father would warn a son or a daughter, don't do that. It's bad. You're going to get hurt. Who has more right than God to correct us? We belong to him after all, right? He purchased us with his blood. Hmm? Look what it says here. The sins sins that we just mentioned before carry the death penalty. Physical, not spiritual death. And in this case, by repudiating all they claimed to believe and do before, which was good and proper, That is willful sin. Okay, and now we say that the background was numbers. We just read the examples in in numbers, which shows some sins had no sacrifice. Now look with me at verse 27, moving right along here in our epistle to the Hebrews. In verse 27, it says, remains no sacrifice for sin, okay? But a certain fearful expectation of judgment and fiery indignation which will devour the adversaries. This is another consequence for this sin. Not only there is no other sacrifice, but a certain fearful expectation of judgment. To reject the truth means judgment with fiery indignation which will devour the adversaries. This speaks of the judgment that was about to fall in the year 70 AD when the temple and Jerusalem were destroyed by fire. Those who despise God and his work of redemption are enemies of God, directly opposed to him, and can expect nothing but judgment for that. Verse 28, anyone who has rejected Moses' law dies without mercy on the testimony of two or three witnesses. Anybody who despised the law of Moses, like we just said the example of the guy that was gathering uh, wood, or the case of a young person blaspheming or cursing His parents. There's another case like that in the Old Testament. What did they do? They stoned him. And you know who had to throw the first stones? Mother and father. Now, today parents excuse their kids. Oh, but you have to understand, they are just being funny. I remember years ago I warned parents, some parents, okay, okay, about their children. They were away and their their children were doing something. I found out because I was school principal. I found out they were doing something inappropriate in an apartment around the corner from the church. Not this church, the other church, before the flood. And I warned the parents and I said, your daughters are doing this and that. And the mother comes to me and says, oh, but you have to understand my children They were just having fun. They were going, let's do this, and let's do that, because that's the story they gave them, the children, that is. Well, to make the long story short, a few years later, the first daughter got pregnant out of wedlock. It's a good thing I had just left the church. And a year later, the second daughter got pregnant out of wedlock. just because somebody had to understand their children. listen, never take your children's side. When I was little and somebody called my mother about me or my sister, for my sister more often than for me, true, I don't lie from the pulpit. She continues to be a headache. My mother used to say to me, when she rest in peace, she used to say, who does she take after? Who did she come out looking like? I, I don't understand. When I got home, oh boy. I remember when her telling me one time, this is the first and the last time I get a complaint. Next time you complain, I, I, the, the teachers complain, you're going to get it. Speak against my teacher. Your teacher is always right. Next time you complain about your teacher, I'm going to spank you. So I went to school the next day, and I sat on my desk, and I said, my teacher is always right. I was too young to die. You know what that taught me? It taught me respect for authority. Now parents are worse than children. And I know I was a school principal, and I remember I had more problems with parents than I did with kids. And I told parents many times, you don't like it, take your kid out of here. In this this school, you're going to respect the authority, the teachers and me. And if something is wrong, we'll fix it amongst ourselves. Don't excuse your kids. Because when you do that, you know what you do? You're digging their grave. God doesn't excuse us. In verse 28, we read, Here that the writer reminds them what the Old Testament teaches about those who rejected Moses' law. And I I remind you, when he wrote this, the law of Moses was still going on, even though God had already fulfilled it. Okay, They died without mercy on the testimony of, of two or three witnesses. And this, of course, speaks of physical death. Those who disobeyed the law of Moses died the physical death. Therefore, those who turned their backs on Jesus the Messiah will also suffer physical death in the coming judgment. They deserve no less. If you live in sin, you call yourself a Christian and you live in sin, you're going to suffer consequences, physical consequences. As spiritual you will too, but it will not be spiritual death. You will suffer physical death, perhaps, or physical illness. Doesn't it say in the book of James that if anybody is sick among you, call the elders of the church, that they come and pray and anoint him with oil. And if he has committed any sins, they shall be forgiven him. Sometimes people got sick because of their sin. Physical judgment. Okay? I could tell you stories of people that did things but I'm not going to spend the time saying that today. Maybe some other time. And whatever they, they did, or said, the Lord visited that iniquity upon their own children and grandchildren. So be careful with that. Okay, You don't play games with God. The point is this. If presumptuous sinners who despised the law of Moses and broke it were executed... What would God do with those who despised him? Now look at verse 29. It says, Of how much worse punishment do you suppose will he be thought worthy or, worthy, who was trampled or has trampled the Son of God underfoot, counted the blood of the covenant by which he was sanctified the common thing, and insulted the Spirit of grace? Here the writer gives the idea of how greater the punishment would be on those who reject Jesus. Since he is greater than Moses, and they turn their backs on him, this will bring greater judgment. The Greek word for punishment is used only here in the New Testament. And the writer shows what is involved if these Jewish believers turn back to Judaism. It it means the rejection of the work of the Trinity. First, it involves trampling the Son of God underfoot. You know what it means to trample the Son of God underfoot? It means scornful neglect or flagrant contempt to count it worthless. And unfortunately, there are people who, by their conduct, that's exactly what they do. They consider the sacrifice of the Lord Jesus Christ with contempt. It's not worth anything. Ungrateful. Ungodly. It means to arrogantly reject the work of God the Father who sent his Son and approved him to do his work of redemption. Secondly, if these believers went back to Judaism, it would mean counting the blood of the covenant by which they were sanctified, a common thing. It means treating the blood of Jesus as being no better than that of, a co- of common men like anybody else's blood. It is as common blood, not better blood, making it unholy and implying that Jesus suffered justly for his own sins. And he, it is also a rejection of God the Son since his blood is being rejected. And thirdly, It also means insulting the Holy Spirit. Now, a person came to me not too long ago, a couple of weeks ago, and said, Pastor, would you please tell me what the the, the, uh, blasphemy uh, uh, of the Holy Spirit is? Well, it says it right here, insulted the Spirit of grace. That means to blaspheme against the Holy Spirit. And this involves an arrogant attitude against God, the Holy Spirit. It is he who does the work of regeneration and sanctification. It is the Holy Spirit. And by turning their backs on him, these believers will identify themselves with a the Jewish generation guilty of committing the unpardonable sin. And the unpardonable sin you're going to find in Matthew chapter 12 when they called him Beelzebub, the Jewish leaders, the spiritual leaders that were supposed to lead the nation to God. They rejected God. Blasphemy of the Holy Spirit is attributing to Satan God's work. And let me just say to you, for your comfort, if you're worried about uh, blaspheming the Holy Spirit, you won't. The ones who blaspheme the Holy Spirit couldn't even care less. Okay? And they don't even know that they're doing it. Now, It is claiming that Jesus is not the Messiah on the basis of his being demon-possessed. If these Jewish believers went back to Judaism, they would face the judgment of physical death because they would be rejecting the work of the Trinity. And this is a warning to every believer not to play with treachery to Christ. Do not betray the Lord Jesus Christ. Everybody hates Judas Iscariot, right? Why? Why? He betrayed Jesus. Well, make sure you don't. And you're not going to sell him for 30 pieces of silver like he did. But you can do something that also betrays him by living a life that is not faithful to him. He said it clearly. If you love me, my commandments what a terrible thing for one who has been sanctified with the blood of Christ to then despise that blood yet some do it today by unholy conduct and neglect of faithfully walking with him rebellious believers are in danger of God taking their life or of incurring some other kind of discipline If they persist in their disobedience, I would much rather have somebody tell me I'm not saved than I can pray for his or her salvation. Somebody who says I am saved, you better live like you're saved. Let everyone who names the name of the Lord depart from iniquity, it says. And this is the word of God. I did not write the Bible. I'm only a stupid Greek that preaches it. Got that? I didn't write the Bible. God wrote the Bible. Amen? I'm just making you aware of what it says. Now look at verses 30 and 31. It says... For we know him who said, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. And again, the Lord will judge his people. It is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. Man, that verse, every time I read it, it makes me shudder. In these last two verses of the section, the writer shows the reason for the judgment and its severity. It is because of his character. God's character demands that kind of punishment for those who turn their backs on him. In verse 30, he declares God will judge and quotes two passages the readers knew very well, Deuteronomy. Chapter 32, verses 35 and 36 says those very things. Vengeance is mine, and God will judge his people. Vengeance belongs to God alone, not to us. And God will judge his people. Now, God's judgment many times is slow in coming, but you can rest assured that it is sure in coming. Because these believers are his people, he will judge them if they sin willfully by going back. Therefore, he concludes the warning to them. It is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. Our God is not an absentee God, but one who is alive and alert, aware if we commit any kind of sin, and in this case, turning away from him. If you do it, you can rest assured he will judge you. And his judgment is severe many times. For he loves us. And he does it, and he did it with David. When David sinned, what did the Lord do? Oh boy. Oh boy. Double oh boy. He told him, The sword shall never depart out of your house. Did he forgive him? Did God forgive David? He did. But there were consequences. Years first of all, the baby died. And then, in his grace, from that same mother, Bathsheba, Solomon was born. Yet, read the story of David. Absalom raped his sister Tamar. I'm sorry, not Absalom. Amnon raped his half-sister Tamar. Then Absalom killed Amnon. Then Absalom rebelled against his father, took the throne from him. And Absalom was killed in turn. And then Adonijah was killed by Solomon. What a horrible price to pay for a little bit of sin. Hmm? You don't play around with God. It is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. Some people mold God to their own imagination. Oh, he's a God of love. Yes, he is. But love is not only. Love is also this. Firm. And God is not mocked. Believe me, he is not Look what happened with the nation of Israel eventually. Right after this letter was written, the nation was destroyed. Two million Jews were massacred. The city of Jerusalem was destroyed. And the rest of the people scattered throughout the whole Roman Empire for 2,000 years. And they went through Hitler's Germany. And Russia, the dictators of the czars and, and the communists. In his grace, God allowed the remnant to live and go back to their promised land because he promised them that he would do that. And the, we see the rebirth of the nation of Israel. The other day, what was it, the day fourteenth, a week ago, Israel turned 74 years old because God is a God of mercy. That doesn't mean he does not judge his people when they need it. Okay? He loves us. And he disciplined David. And like we mentioned before, the Corinthians also. And he also, anyone who disobeyed him. Boy, I'm glad, I'll tell you, I'm glad that the Lord does not act today as sternly and quickly as he did under the law or under the first few years of the church. Because even there in the book of Acts, we see (coughs) a couple named (coughs) Ananias and Sapphira who lied to God. They went and they sold the property and they came to the apostles, to Peter, and they said, here, here's the money for the property. But they kept part of it. And the problem was not that they kept it because it was theirs to do whatever they wanted. The problem was that they lied. If they had told them, we kept part of it, and we give in this part, that would have been fine. But they lied. And what did, <clears throat> what did God do? He killed them both. No questions asked. The Lord doesn't deal like that today as quickly, but he deals with people like that. We, we cannot put our finger and say how, when God is going to act this way or that way. That's his sovereign right to do what he wants to do. <clears throat> to make sure that you, would, you don't try to walk to see how close you can get to the precipice without falling. If the precipice is here, I'm going to walk over here. Be safe. Be in the center of God's will. Love him with all your heart. He will bless your life. Put him first. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all the other things shall be added unto you. Don't seek the other things. You're going to lose those things, and you're going to lose God. You're going to lose the blessings. Don't play church. Don't come here to play church. Come here to worship God in spirit and in truth. To hear his word, listen to his word, and apply his word in your life. You will be the better for it. You will be blessed. Amen? Father, we thank you. We thank you for listening to this message and pray that the Word of God spoke to your heart. To listen to previous sermons, please visit us at www.cbttbc.com or anchor.fm forward slash cbt sermons.